0: so
1: Sole-
2: Another episode of That's a Rap podcast. I'm your co host Jay Rosales. Excited to join you on a Wednesday, May the 20th. The, today is the birthday of Fred Van Vliet Jr., so it's a very joyous occasion here in Raptorland. Hey. <laughs> Joining me today, uh, Jason, what's up, buddy?
0: Hey, not too much, my man. Okay, so this is going to be quite uh interesting episode. One, because we don't have Dre and we miss him, but two, we haven't had a chance yet to talk about the last dance. and I know that it's it's a um, you know if you haven't watched it all already, you know pause on this, go back, go on Netflix, watch the 10 episodes or as much as you can, come back and we'll we'll talk about it. But today we finally get a chance to talk about it and I can't wait we have a special guest on today, Jay, can you uh, tell the people who he
1: is?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you've, you've heard his name uh, on this podcast a couple of times already. Last time we spoke with him, uh, we were discussing some, uh, some I guess, some negative news with the the with the NBA going on lockdown. Um, but we brought back Derek Deon Rain from CBC. Welcome, buddy. Well, let's talk about The Last Dance. Welcome.
1: Thank you, man. man. I appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on your podcast. And uh, it's always great chatting with you. And yeah, there, there's a lot to get into uh, with The Last Dance.
0: Let's just hope that there's no more other breaking news at Derrick Castle.
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm
2: good. <laughs> well, let's let's jump right into it, right? I mean, uh, you know, all 10 episodes have now aired. Everyone, you know, if you're listen Again, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, this is a a podcast that's by Raptors fans for Raptors fans, and even though the last dance is very much all about the Chicago Bulls, um we'll try to sprinkle in a little bit of Raptors related information for you guys, but Right off the bat, guys, what are your impressions? Did it did it live yeah. up to the hype that went into it? Because there was a a ton of hype from the I, day it was oh. first announced to the very first episode. Like, like uh, you guys take the floor, man. What are your initial thoughts on this? Yeah, on this I mean, I okay. Series? You know what?
0: I have so much to think about and so much to say. While you were saying that, Jay, so I'm gonna throw it to Derek to like kind of decompress my thoughts
1: because there's <laughs> just so much to talk about.
0: So Derek, please take it away, man.
1: Uh, yeah, look, um i mean where do i even begin honestly i would say uh it it lived up to the hype uh in the sense of giving uh at least me um and anybody else who's a 90s baby or even an 80s baby that grew up and watched jordan and lived through jordan as a chicago bull um all the feels of nostalgia um mm-hmm. it, it it felt like the perfect um you know shot in the arm of like everything that you loved about michael jordan's greatness the highlight tapes the dunks the 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 competitiveness his tenacity just his ability to do things um on the court that you had never seen uh, anybody do and probably may never actually see ever again Um, we've seen a guy a lot of guys you know that often imitate jordan but they've never been able to duplicate jordan and i think this documentary uh was just that It, it was uh, it was showing you the, the DNA behind Michael Jordan. Uh, but at the same time, as great as the nostalgia factor was, um, and as great as it was to look back at all the things that MJ did and the Chicago Bulls did, um, I feel like it was just basically a, a 10-hour Michael Jordan ego stroke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was it, it was great, and, and the footage was amazing to see, especially that 97-98 season. Um, but I also feel like it wasn't quite the uh, a documentary in the sense of like, you know, we got to hear all sides and it exposed something that we never knew. Like, I feel like a lot of the information that was presented in this uh, 10 part series was information that we probably already knew or had heard of uh, in some way over the years and documentaries in the past or movies or interviews or, uh, you know, ESPN work and uh, you know articles over the years, so it, it didn't really show me personally um, anything that I didn't know already or haven't seen already, with the exception of maybe one or two things, and it didn't really. You know, showcase the Bulls as much as I would have wanted to see. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I get it. Michael is Michael, and he's amazing. But he doesn't need ten more hours dedicated to how great he is. He's already great. Like everybody knows that. Everybody knows he's, you know, arguably the goat, if not the goat, uh, in basketball. And uh, you know, I would have loved to have seen more about some of the other guys because the documentary is called The Last Dance, not Michael Jordan's Last Dance. Mm -hmm. It's The Last Dance is in the Bulls, as in. Phil Jackson's, you know, nickname for the last season that the Bulls were together in 97 and 98. And you don't have a last dance, obviously, without Michael, but you don't even get to a dance without that team and that coach. So I wish I would have seen more from from more more backstory, more depth, more, um, you know, unfilteredness, because for all the people that think that this is Michael Jordan unfiltered and Michael Jordan, you know, exposing the truth and telling all like it's not like Michael Jordan has had his hands on this documentary and all this footage for years. And at the end of the day, if Michael Jordan didn't like something that was in the documentary, he had final say in whether it made it in there or not. So I'm more curious about what was left off the documentary as opposed Mm -hmm. to what was put in it, because you know that there were probably stuff that didn't, if Michael was worried that this made him seem like a bad guy, what, what other stuff was out there that we didn't see? You know what I mean? So right, it, yeah. it 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 was it was uh, it was great to watch. I would happily rewatch it again. It's an amazing 10-part series and for younger kids out there who never got to see Michael Jordan play or only got to see Michael Jordan as the washed up version that he was on the Wizards, um this is a great uh look back at at how dominant and how incredible and how skillful he was and how good uh that mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls team uh was all throughout the 90s.
0: Man, you put you bring up so many good points and 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 the thing is, yes, listeners if you guys are listening right now and he said Wizards you're not wrong. Uh, he played for the Washington Wizards after uh, he, after that Jazz series and it no one really wants to remember that honestly. And I'm not going to because he was he was fantastic in Chicago and he wasn't very good. Well he he was okay. all good so we're okay. going to talk about we're going to talk about how great he ran the Charlotte Hornets or Charlotte Ballons. Yeah 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 exactly. <laughs> we'll exactly. talk about that, right? Exactly. We'll we'll talk we'll have a 10 point series about the Charlotte Bobcats. Um <laughs> But you know what, like what what you were saying, Derek, and and don't get me wrong, I I because and I could be um, a lot about where we are today with the pandemic and how there isn't any basketball because we have to remember that this wasn't even supposed to be released this early. Uh, they released it earlier in order for I guess you know people to have something, and I think that's what I kind of got out of it mostly because. Every single episode we watched, my wife and I, I was like, God, I miss basketball. God, I miss, like, the competitive nature. Even if you're – I don't know if we were on the same page, but, like, when you're watching those highlighted games, you know what's gonna happen. You know that MJ's gonna score. You know that Pippen's gonna score. You know they're gonna win that game. But for some reason, I was like nervous. I was tense <laughs> thinking about like what's gonna happen now. You know what I mean? Just because I miss that competitive nature when it comes to basketball. And us fans, we're like, we just missed the game, you know? And this is what kind of gave last dance kind of gave that back to us, just just a little bit for us to be excited again uh, weekly. But I never thought that yeah, you're right. It was a lot about Jordan and I would have liked to see the team, the that like 98 team. And there was Pippen, there was Robin, there was Kerr even, and there was Phil. But there wasn't so much about like Ron Harper or there wasn't so much about Tony Kukoc, and there wasn't like I wanted to know more about Jerry Krause, and and I, there, there I wanted to see more about the team. Well, we we heard about Jerry. We Krause. heard about we Jerry Krause, but, but yeah, one exactly. <laughs> We've only heard one side, and at the end, at the very end, not like you know, R. I. P. Jerry Krauss, But the thing is, he brought together an, a fantastic team, right? And at the very end, they're like Jerry Krauss was the best in the game, and I want to know more, you know. So this was a very Jordan-esque. Documentary, and I'm not putting it down at all, and I I love Jordan, uh, what he brought, brought to the game, um, but it's interesting to see to see that side as well, Derek, uh, thinking that you know what I wanted to see more about the Bulls, because at times I was like you know what me too, I do want to know about the the camaraderie of other teammates now, not just not just with Jordan, because Jordan got so much attention, and you know because he's more than an so much more than just a basketball player, and uh, yeah, I wanted to know more about the bull So, that's an interesting take. Uh Jay, how about you? What did your what was your initial thoughts after watching uh, the 10 part series?
2: I I will say that it was worth it was worth the wait. It was worth um you know staying up late nights to rewatch it. It was worth um uh you know kind of going down strolling down memory lane um you know and I grew up on on Jordan, right? And it his his emergence and the bulls emergence during a time when and I've heard this before where roughly around when you turn 12, 13, whatever sport or or athlete or team you latch onto, that typically around that age is is the team or the player that you kind of remember as your favorite. And that's the one that ends up being that favorite for the rest of your life. Um for me, it wasn't Michael Jordan, surprisingly, it was it was Fab Five and Chris Webb or whatever, but at the same time on an NBA level um, I could, my my love for basketball grew to a point where I'm like, you just appreciate what Jordan and the Bulls brought. And again, going down, taking that trip down memory lane was great. Um, I guess for me, there was a little bit, um a few things that I did learn. Maybe more than than what what you know. I it sounded like Derek. You you kind of knew everything that was kind of coming at you. But there were a couple of things I did learn. Um. And I agree with both of you. I think that there, there could have been a more of a, a, a Bulls team perspective that needed to go there. I thought it was headed in that direction. You know, we had the Pippin episode. We had the Rodman episode. But I, I think there just wasn't enough of that. Um, but on the flip side, I think, uh, you know, there was a whole lot of Jordan. And, you know, we definitely saw, you know, his his fingerprints all over this thing. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of where, where I sit with this. I think that there were some, you know, definitely some memorable characters like that security guy uh i don't even know
1: what his name was <laughs> yes
2: there's some memorable with the hair like,
1: with the, the meme with the, with the glasses yeah, oh, yeah.
2: every time every time he showed up on screen i couldn't help but think of like you know the the the, the security guy on the golden state warriors the oh, guy with yes, the fro yes. the old yeah mm-hmm. i always i don't know why i'm like does, does every team employ like some weird haired security guy like, <laughs> probably i can't probably i can't i can't, I can't think Think of who that would be on the Raptors. But anyways, uh, you know, there's some memorable characters. There's some memorable quotes. Definitely a whole lot of memes. And I think that that's that's something that helps uh, with the success of this documentary, right? Is that uh, after every Sunday for five consecutive Sundays, we had something that became a meme. And I think now it's the... uh, Whatever it is that Jordan was listening to on the back of the bus, like I think that's the meme that we're going with right now or yeah yeah yep. so it's it's it worked in terms of like it living up to to the hype and ensuring that that hype kind of carried throughout the five weeks and it wasn't just okay, here's an episode now we're just gonna twiddle our thumbs for for six or seven days. It's no, we're gonna give you some stuff to talk about and yeah you know, kind of give you some 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 memes to work with here. So, yeah, in that sense, it was a success. But uh, I'm curious to know, because we have, we still haven't touched upon this. I'm surprised. Um, and Derek, I'll throw it over to you first. I mean, this, mm-hmm. you know, speaking about the era that this is in, and, you know, we kind of touched upon the basketball part, but this was also, a, I, I came into this thinking, like, this is going to be great for sneakerheads. And uh, I know you're a sneakerhead. And I was kind of hoping to see a lot more about, you know, sneaker culture and whatever and... I didn't get that. I wonder if there was if a small felt... segment. There was a small yeah, segment right. of the Air Jordans. Was that enough though? Like um, I don't know. For me, I kind of wanted a little more of that. Uh, where do you sit with this, Derek?
1: Yeah. No. I. You know what's interesting is that, like, to to me, like, the, uh, and a lot of people who are wearing sneakers now the dad shoe trend the chunky shoes like a lot of that already existed in the 90s like a lot of the styles that we we love and see today uh, that have kind of come back and or gone um are, are from the 90s and are from nike and adidas and and it was and it was actually i, I was surprised because i actually didn't think they were going to touch on any sneaker stuff but obviously you can't you know build the myth of michael jordan uh, without talking about Nike and everything that he's done with with Jordan brand um and uh you know it it, it was cool to see and especially the, the like i really liked seeing the story about how his mother had to convince him to go take that meeting with Nike because he he was yeah, dead yeah. set on work on 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 you know signing with Adidas and here comes Nike who was essentially i guess at that time like the under armor uh of yeah. the sports world right and and they come in and they, and they swoop Michael Jordan uh, out from the claws of of Adidas and it and the rest is history right like could you imagine a world where we weren't talking about Nike but we were talking about Adidas I mean look Adidas has still done well for themselves right like yes they dropped the ball on some big athletes but so is Nike and no no company is perfect but it, it's it's incredible to know what that there's some you know if this is Marvel and we're looking at an alternate timeline there is a universe in where Michael Jordan is with adidas and not nike Uh, and 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 i would i would love to 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 see you know what the style would be like what what would be the shoes that we you know care for and look at as like the chicago jordan ones with the red and white and black like you know there there is you know and and to that effect right like you look at when jordan got drafted and who he got picked by and how it all happened like i'm pretty sure if things were to be in obviously hindsight is 2020, but if things were to be done again, you know, people would probably maybe still pick Hakeem over Jordan, but then Jordan goes number two. And maybe you're looking at either Jordan in Portland or Jordan in Houston. And even then, like just that timeline is, is, is crazy to think about what that team could possibly look like as well. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was interesting to see that they, they had a little bit of sneaker stuff. Um, I didn't. I didn't anticipate that they would spend a lot of time on it. Although the one thing that I'm surprised that they didn't spend some time on it, is the dunk contests, right? Like, like they they they, link, talk, yeah. they they like they talk so much about you know Jordan coming up in the '80s and the the cocaine room and the you know the <laughs> women in the weed in the locker room in the '80s. Um, but but they don't talk about his dunk contest with with Dominique Wilkins. Uh, you know, they don't yeah. talk about the free throw line dunk. They don't talk about the, the rock to the cradle. You see a little bit of it in highlights and stuff. But but I was really surprised that they didn't touch on that even just a little bit, even just to continue to build the legacy of, you know, Air Jordan, uh, because yeah. you don't get Air Jordan uh, really at its height without, without that dunk contest, right? Like him jumping from the free throw line is probably the most iconic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, MJ picture or thought or idea next to his last shot. Um, against the Utah Jazz, um, so it, yeah, it was his, interesting his, to see
0: that competition between him and Dominique were one of, the, if not like, the top three dunk contests of all time. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. that's 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 interesting that you bring that up. I also didn't realize like I knew that Converse was the basketball shoe I, I just never knew like all the names that were in it because you saw that commercial I never seen that commercial before you had like you had all the big guys you had Larry Bird you had Magic Johnson you had like Clyde Drexler rocking the Converse shoes that's that's incredible too that I was even in the 80s that yeah. Was yeah. Big, yeah. Before. Yeah, yeah yeah in the 80s
1: it was it was it was in a weird way which is it's gonna sound crazy in hindsight right now but like uh in the 80s it was like the the, the major companies that dominated athletics were uh Adidas um, Reebok for for like ballet and tennis um, and then and then you had Puma with with the Clydes and the and yep. the, for, for Drexler and and uh, Walt Frazier so like Puma had their own thing going on in the 70s and 80s and then Adidas had their own stuff but Adidas was like athletics and, and like streetwear right because you had like Run DMC and and the Sheltos. Yeah. um mm-hmm. and then Nike like busts out onto the scene and they're like doing tennis shoes with andre agassi and they're doing jordans with nike and like it, it, it just it just it became such an incredible time for uh sneaker culture and sneaker innovation like I, I was having a conversation with one of my homies uh the other day and i was like man like obviously i was like a child like a baby in the 90s but like right it, it, i would love to go back like to just a mall or a footlocker or anything in the 90s and just like buy everything because it just looked so cool and it makes me sad because you look at michael jordan's style now and you're like what the hell happened like michael jordan is with his hanes boxers and his bootcut jeans <laughs> and his, yeah. his you know his werther's originals looking eyeballs and his cigar <laughs> and his tequila and you're like bro you used to look so drippy like you looked so cool yeah. back in the day you had the best outfits from Nike, the best sneakers. Man, you just this, made men's everything look cool. now though, man. I know, You're but you know, he listen, wants to be comfortable. Listen, <laughs> listen, I know he wants to be comfortable, but Pharrell is also 50 years old. That's true. Pharrell, that's true. Pharrell is yeah, but Pharrell way cooler. <laughs> Pharrell doesn't age though, man. I know man, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it i love it man yeah. and, and i love the uh the memes of like his cigar hand how it's just like oh, completely man. like engulfed that cigar now <laughs> <laughs> incredible actually
1: I, the one I'm... thing the, the one thing that i forgot to mention and i want to just quickly add this and then I, and I think a lot of people kind of miss this little detail. Um, and it was specifically with uh, like with Jordan brand, like in regards to Jordan brand and, and Patrick Ewing of all people. So like in one of the earlier episodes, they show a bit where uh, like it's Patrick Ewing and Jordan going back and forth. And right. like, they end up having this really amazing, you know, one-on-one and uh, coaches there. And, you know, Patrick's doing this thing in Georgetown and Jordan's doing his thing at North Carolina and uh, they have a good friendship. And then like, Every every time they show Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing, it's just Michael Jordan kicking Patrick Ewing's ass. Like every time in the playoffs, getting dunked on by Jordan after he spun out the corner uh, from Starks with Pippen dunking on him. Like there's just not a great Patrick Ewing highlight yeah. at any point in this entire thing. Even though Michael Jordan <laughs> and Patrick Ewing are good friends, and the craziest part about all of this, and this is like how next level Michael Jordan is and how big his like brand has spun from just sneakers. You have a guy who basically was around the same time as Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing, who went to Georgetown, who is now being interviewed by somebody for Michael Jordan mm-hmm. wearing Jordan Brand wearing Georgetown Jordan brand. clothes. That's that's <laughs> a think about that. Like could you imagine was... like Paul like could you imagine like Paul Pierce wearing like LeBron James clothing in like 20 years? <laughs> like that's insane. <laughs>
0: yeah oh, that for
2: man. me was like the biggest uh the biggest review yeah i didn't see that until someone threw that up on my twitter uh feed and i was like man like just re-watching that like and that's the other thing i think you raise a great point here is that um if if you if you don't have that mindset coming into this and, and you don't come out of this thinking that you know uh michael jordan kind of manipulated how this documentary was going to be perceived that gives you just another reason to rewatch every episode and put put yourself through the lens of just remember that Michael Jordan edited every all of this right and then yep. you can rewatch it again as like look at this through the lens of uh let's say a member of Jerry Krause's family like how do you how do you take this in knowing that he's just getting bashed and there's no there's no recourse there. There's no, uh, there's no one to kind of defend Jerry Krause and and the decisions he made. Right. Like, so it really is um, again, that's just another layer to what makes this uh, series. I think it'll continue to, to reap the rewards of its, uh, of its timing is that, uh, you know, people are going to rewatch it under different lenses and, and kind of take Mm. it in, in, in in different ways. Like I will absolutely rewatch this episode and just laugh and pause when i see <laughs> patrick ewing wearing jordan brand <laughs> jordan
0: mm. brand clothes well even with um I, I don't know if it's true but rumor has it that scotty pippen was also very upset with how he was portrayed and duly that he he didn't like they didn't really portray him very well either like he's he to me like i'm I'm def- I'm an '89 baby, so growing up watching basketball, I was just. I I remember um, the shot against Utah uh, uh, over over Russell, and that's kind of it when it comes to Jordan. And after that, it kind of it just went to Raptors. But I'll, all I knew when it comes to Jordan is that you always had to have Scottie Pippen there. And then so whenever they talked about Scottie Pippen, it was like yes, he was a great player, and yes, he he was like you know he he you Know, uh, I guess took on the role as Jordan when Jordan was retired, but then there was a lot about him like that. That one play, uh, in the playoffs where he didn't want to play because he it, the play wasn't drawn up for him, or um, and and the contract and how like he got screwed over about the contract for sure, but like the 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 terrible relationship he had with management, like, there was nothing. The positive definitely did not outweigh the negative when it came to Scottie Pippen, and that which is interesting because I always thought of it was a, if there was no Jordan without Pippen, there's obviously no Pippen without Jordan. But I just it's just interesting to see more negative when it comes to the Scottie Pippen timeline. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. No. And and in addition to that, we also have. Uh, you know Horace Grant calling him uh, calling him a snitch um, (laughs) after being called a snitch so yeah I think it it just keeps adding to this thing about like okay well uh, you know the the series was great and eye-opening but I think it was only one layer was peeled and there's multiple layers I think they just kind of opened up this Pandora's box where you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if if more of the players kind of came out and kind of said hey you know what now that this like and this is the other thing is like we're only hearing this now, right? We didn't quite hear too much of this backlash throughout these five weeks, but now that the series is over, um, again, I, I think that this is an opportunity for some of these players to kind of speak up and say, you know what, uh, you know, this part in episode three wasn't exactly accurate or whatever. If you're starting hearing this now because now the series is over. Now you can kind of, you know, everyone has been given the chance to digest it. Now you can kind of defend yourself if you if you need defending. I, th- I think another part that. Was, was mentioned uh, that I read today was uh, I think the guy who delivered the pizza to Michael Jordan. Um, well, oh, supposedly, really? supposedly the guy came out and, and said, Hey, listen, it wasn't five guys. It was me. And one of guy, I'm a Bulls fan. And I, I I made the pizza specifically for them. And I, I, I made sure no one else touched it. I, I, you know, no one else had food poisoning in our, in our restaurant that day. And he's trying to defend it. And I, I'm, I'm also questioning that the validity of like, a Bulls fan working and living in Utah. I, I find that
0: hard to believe. But... <laughs> yeah, it's true. But at that but specific time, a Bulls fan, and then the only piece of shop that's open is a Bulls fan.
1: I don't know about that in yeah, Utah. That, yeah, it, it smells so, fishy.
0: Exactly. So what I'm trying to get at, though, is that like a
2: lot of people are going to start talking about you know their involvement in this series some way, shape, or form, whether it's former right. players or people who think they have some other part in this. And you know it's it's it just kind of adds to this being like a series that's going to continue to be talked about until there's mm-hmm. uh some actual basketball to be played
0: was there a, a a teammate that you wanted to hear more from either you or trey or Eric is was there any other person that you want to hear like a little bit more of a story from
1: um, i mean for for me i think uh, so one thing so i'll answer your question first and then i wanted to hop back to the uh, one thing that we guys were just talking about. But I'd say, first of all, I, I think I wanted to hear more from uh, from Tony Kukoc, because I think yeah, i exactly such, the same. Su- such an incredible backstory. Like, I, look, like, I think the Dennis episodes are great, but the thing is, ESPN already did a 30 for 30 on Dennis, so there was a lot yeah. of this stuff that you could actually go back and even right now. Like, I recommend anybody that's listening, like, go back and watch that ESPN 30 for 30 uh, on Dennis Rodman. It's actually a really, really great piece, and and you'll learn a lot because they actually get to go into uh, you know Dennis's life a little bit more and uh, the struggles that he had. Um, but I think. For me yeah cool coach was that guy and 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 this goes back to my to the earlier point that we were saying which was just that like every time it got close to like you know us delving into an issue that actually like you'd be curious to know more about it just felt like they just used that that whatever that you know storyline could have been to lead into like some iconic michael jordan moment it wasn't like a oh like here is this person's story and it's incredible on its own it's like here's this person's story but also like screw them michael jordan was so much better than them and this is why this is how we beat them <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, it's like trying. it's like like it just felt like with uh, specifically with ku coach it's like bro this guy comes into the league and like you look we all know the knock against european players it still exists today even though mm. we've had you know several good european players um and so I get the knock against him and, and, you know, whatever the, you know, the talking heads are speaking about back then. But this guy is literally coming from a country that has civil war, civil right. war. And, <laughs> and, 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 and his story was basically a footnote to the 92 Dream Team. Like, I mean, yes, the 92 Dream Team is amazing. Greatest basketball team ever assembled. Um, I would love to know what that 92 team looks like against the 2010 team uh, with Kobe and Braun and all those guys but i mean I, I we've we've heard about the practices we heard about magic shit talking him and in practice and, and like them going back and forth and uh you know the the crazy practice uh and how hard people competed in barcelona like we know about all of these mm-hmm. things like the team usa history and the legacy is something that a lot of people are aware of i mean it was cool that they touched on reebok but like you know People are aware of it, but I don't think a lot of people got the chance to know more about Tony Kukoc and how he grew up and how, uh, you know, he he, people like they made it seem like basketball was bigger than civil war, which in my mind is just insane. Like you got a guy who's dealing with real problems in his real everyday life that also just happens to be good at basketball. Right. Like, like imagine you were coming up in a war and then you also happen to be really good at basketball and then basketball allows you this opportunity to play at the highest level and do all these incredible things and get paid and provide for your family but you still have all this unrest at home and you're not sure if your parents are going to be alive or your family's going to be okay or whether they're going to be bombed or military or like there's just there's just so many incredible layers to that story and it just felt like they just kind of shoehorned it into like oh by the way like tony kukoc like got killed by jordan and scotty pippen because they didn't like that he was european and like they didn't want him on the team. And then the 92 drew team was amazing, but like civil right. war, like it, it just, yeah, it, it, it rubbed me a little, a little bit the wrong way because it just felt like, you know, a, a very, I guess, American lens, uh, you know, I'm not, not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, but uh, it, you know, to go back to your other point, like to me, the, like, it's interesting watching the the last dance and seeing all these takes from these guys that played on the team and, you know, we're around Jordan and could speak to these things because they lived through it with him. Um, and and them being like, oh, that's not accurate, but this is accurate, and stuff like that. Because it almost feels like being on Twitter when there's a basketball game going on. And it's like, mm-hmm. if you if you were to go back, like, let's say, for example, like the Raptors and Philly series, right? If you go back mm-hmm. to that series or even the Bucs series and look at what Raptors Twitter is saying and then look at what Milwaukee Twitter is saying, we're watching the exact same game. But yet somehow we're all drawing different conclusions from the same thing that we're seeing and that's what it felt like with the last dance it's like all these guys who were on the bulls or were with michael or played with michael or were friends with michael or around him or in the league at that time they all experienced the same thing at the same time but they have their own version of what the truth is and so if you if you ask any one of them like we could take five five of those players on the bulls and put them in a room and interview each one individually. And they'll all come back with five different versions of the same story, even though we can all see exactly what happened. And so it's really interesting to to, to see the takes that people have now. Um, But yeah, I think that like, I I, I wish we could have seen more from Jerry Krause. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2017. And I wish we could have seen more uh, on KuCoach and and even Kerr, right? Like they waited really Mm -hmm. long to get into the Kerr situation, when I think they probably could have touched the Kerr story within the same episode or the next episode where they talked about Jordan's dad because it just felt like Michael wasn't really they didn't put any onus on Michael to explain anything and it was just more so like here's Michael Jordan like telling you what happened in the news but we already knew the news like it was just basically like michael jordan explaining what happened was like magic johnson tweeting a basketball game
2: (laughs) (laughs) tweeting anything
1: (laughs) yeah tweeting anything right it was just very matter of fact like okay cool we know this happened but like can you dig a little bit deeper and maybe that's unfair of me to ask because that's obviously some of this stuff is you know very personal and very intimate and it takes a lot for someone to open up and some people just don't want to open up and they have every right right to do that but it's like bro, you're controlling the documentary. So
0: <laughs> right. Even in his uh, biography like Jordan's biography, he they didn't mention it too much. It it would just kind of went to uh, Jerry Cross was uh, scouting KU Kukoc- coach for uh, like a lot and he was going to be like the next uh, the phase of whenever jordan and pippen were were done and then jordan and pippen like completely shut him down in that barcelona uh, olympics and then that was it and then he became a good teammate and that and like you're right i wanted to know a lot more even in the biography and of course in the last dance but what no. i yeah, go ahead, Jay.
2: No, I was just gonna say, like, even when they did show highlights of him, it's like, here, let's just spend thirty seconds to show four buzzer beaters by him. Like, that's <laughs> that, that's a lot of good info there. But they just kind of, sh- like, you know what Derek was saying, they just kind of shoehorned in some cuckoo stuff to kind of yeah. appease him. But really, it's just like hey, those were yeah. all incredible shots, and like, it really just fed into like, no, we're just showing this to you to to draw you yeah. back towards, uh, <laughs> you know, how Pippen kind of screwed up here. Yeah.
0: Um, what I do appreciate what they did in the last dance is kind of show the dominance that MJ really had when in the, in his career from the beginning until the end. So I wanted to like kind of touch upon that. I'm an 89 baby. I didn't really get to watch the, the air Jordan, like when he was coming up. Uh, so did this documentary kind of reinforce that? Uh, did it introduce it Uh. Did it, was it a way to introduce it to younger audience uh, who Jordan really is or do you think that they kind of you know Missed the spot where like no, no, no you don't understand Jordan was literally and Reggie Miller said it He was black Jesus and this they don't even show it as well as I wanted to What did you guys think of like how they portrayed the greatness of Michael Jordan?
2: I think it was very, um, you know, very skewed right towards um showing how great he was. And that's 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 a hard thing to do because we even before this documentary came out, we kind of knew Jordan is up there as the greatest of all time, if not, uh at least in the conversation, but I think most people would agree that he's the greatest of all time. And I think that this this whole documentary just added to that, but like it it also didn't quite show enough of like uh, it definitely like if if you were on the fence it's like about, you know, whether or not the the greatest of all time is is Jordan or maybe you're 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 part of the LeBron camp or, or someone else, um, if anything, I feel like this documentary came out at a time when it's like, okay, there's going to be discussions, and this is more of a hypothesis, but like there's there's going to be a a time very soon, possibly this year, possibly next year, where where those who are on the fence on the LeBron Jordan discussion are going to start leading towards LeBron because he still has more years left in him. And I just think that what what we got out of this documentary is more of a, um, you know, again, the timing of it is just about how, Le- with LeBron James's career kind of coming to a, you know, he's still got a couple more years left in him, but, like, the timing of the series is, is showing that, like, okay, it's almost like a reminder, like, hey, mm-hmm. don't forget about me, Michael Jordan, as the greatest of mm-hmm. all time. just Just, I'm still here. Hey...
0: I even even Winhorst. Winhorst even tweeted, he was like, uh, you know, quote, Jordan might have said yes to this documentary because after LeBron won a twenty sixteen title, maybe for the first time there was possibly a threat to the throne. So there's a little bit of conspiracy of saying Jordan, even during his retirement, even him, you know, fifty six drinking that whiskey and having that like three cigars at a time, that he's like, you know what? I'm still the goat and no one's gonna take that away from me.
2: Ah, uh, you read. You probably read the worst possible person to tweet that out, though. That's a very much a pro LeBron Twitter uh, account. There, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, okay, okay. I'm wondering too if that's also where I heard it. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> my answer is also yeah. a little tainted.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think for for me, I mean, as a not a new Jordan fan, because I knew him. He was the the goat before LeBron. I think LeBron right now is is the goat. But for that era, it's like. Every time when you watch him, even in his college days at, at North Carolina, going into his rookie year and then being like rookie of the year, and then and then it just kind of like keeps on staggering on all those shots that he made. And just it's not his his handles are fantastic. His finishing at the rim is fantastic. His shot is beautiful and. What I always thought about his, his basketball savvy is just his drive, right? And there, there's nobody, no team, no player that I can think about as, as, I would say a typical, like a newer basketball fan, that I've seen someone with that type of drive, with that type of intensity when it comes to competitiveness. Because like, you watch anything, and I saw someone tweet this up too. It's like, the, the quote was, nobody said anything. And then Jordan, he took it personally <laughs> you know he took he took everything personally and it it's like wow i see this in a, i knew this i knew this in the beginning i knew he was really really high in this basketball iq and his competitiveness but i didn't know it was this severe and i'm not saying that it's a bad thing because that's that's what like episode seven this that that's the one where they talked about him as a you know his competitiveness could probably stamina his uh you know a view as like a nice person but if he's to be someone who loves the game so much you can't be a nice person you can't be a, a a good teammate the the one that you know is going to pat you on the back if you do something wrong no he's going to sh- like shit on you on in practice if you aren't doing it right right and it's that was what uh surprised me when it comes to MJ i knew that he was really really good really passionate i just didn't know it went that far man <laughs> yeah um, i agree and i think that um i
2: think this is probably a, a good time to take a quick break but when yes, when we come back after this break uh we've got more to discuss about the last dance sprinkle in a little bit about uh you know some some comparisons with the raptors um and some additional things like you know could they have possibly won a seventh chip but we'll, we'll talk about that after after this break
0: sounds good we'll talk to you soon
2: It is definitely a podcast you should probably not listen to because you're listening to us um, <laughs> actually, no, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that there's some great podcasts on this uh, on the SB nation network um, but yeah thanks for for sticking with us you know again we're, we're talking about the last dance and there's so much more to talk about we've barely scratched yeah. the surface so let's let's dive right back into this uh, and again
0: and- if you guys haven't, haven't watched it yet just just hit pause hit pause for a second watch whatever you can and come back because yes, I I don't know if you guys have seen like the ratings or anything like that, but I think it is the most watched ESPN documentary ever at like 5.4 million or something like that. It's kind of crazy. And for Canadian audiences, because the last dance came out comes out on, or at least it came out on Sundays and we got it on Monday mornings and it was always the number one or two uh, against uh, what was that like? Weird show like the love, loves st- or I don't know what love it was is common. blind. Love is blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, love yeah, is blind. Yeah, yeah. One. It was always <laughs> it was always the last dance or love is blind. Those were what Canadians were watching, bro. <laughs> Good lord. Well, let's go back. What? Let's go back to to Jordan. Or unless you want to talk about love is blind, I don't know, man. Derek. I don't know <laughs> what, what you watch, bro.
1: It's whatever helps y'all sleep at night. <laughs>
2: Well, I think that there's there's a lot of things we could touch upon. I think that there's one thing that I kind of want to, you know, kind of throw out there. And and maybe, I don't know if, if I'm the only one who saw it. I'm, I'm hoping you guys saw this too. But did you find that there were, I couldn't help but find comparisons or similarities between the Bulls and, and the Raptors. Um, did, did you see anything or notice anything that kind of, because like, for me, there was a lot of things that kind of jumped out. I'm like, I know hey, the Raptors point- did that too.
0: Jay, you pointed something out to me. And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Did it have to do something about Kawhi? Uh,
2: One of the the first things I noticed was like, you know, right at the bat when they started talking about how, um, you know, Phil Jackson was just kind of like this assistant coach sitting on the side. Uh, Yes, 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 yes. And, um, you know, Doug Collins was uh, a very well-respected and successful coach. And Mm -hmm. despite that, you know, he still got fired. And they... You know promote this assistant coach with some interesting thoughts on offense and they did really well that sounds a lot like nick nurse and the raptors yeah yeah, yeah
0: it's true that's, um, that, that's pretty funny
2: yeah and, and and in addition to that you know we we have uh you know the scenarios even just with the way some of these finals played out right or or some of these series played out where you know, there was that series in I believe it was either ninety two or ninety three where the, the, the Bulls were down two nothing in the conference finals to the Knicks and mm-hmm. uh game three were against the ropes and they pulled it out somehow and you know swept the rest of the series that sounds a lot like Raptors versus Bucks. <laughs> and then we have the the situation with, you know, Jordan retiring and, and leaving and uh you know Pippin the you know trying to kind of lead the team back to 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 prominence and, and doing very well i might add and them saying that the bulls offense the triangle offense ran actually very well even after jordan left um and 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 i cannot but think that like yes this this current raptors team is the offense is running it feels like it's running way more smoothly than when Kawhi was around last year like there's a lot Mm -hmm. less standing around and watching Kawhi operate it's it's a very fluid offense. So um, yeah, now, that for now, me kind of jumped out to me.
0: We're not going to stop and say that the Bulls '98 is the Raptors '2020. We're not going. We're not going <laughs> to say that. But but the comparisons that you do bring out, Jay, it's interesting. It's it's. Something to kind of scratch your head at, and something to smirk at. But I don't think anybody else besides Toronto Raptors fans are going to realize that that's going to be the comparison.
2: I will also say that if if the NBA season does get canceled, that you know there's another comparison there, another similarity there, where you know the the Raptors get to hold on to the championship for another year. So that's that's Mm. another. Again, this is very much a Raptors biased opinion. So
1: yeah, man,
0: Raptors fans, former fans, by fans, bro. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, no, I, I I, I was gonna say like just to add to that, like I'm with you. It's uh, it's the DC conspiracy, right? Like Dwayne Casey, Doug Collins, same initials. Hey, okay, oh my God! Oh damn! Pound in the rock, oh, you damn. know. But uh, hey. no, the the other thing that I was going to say that stands out to me, and, and it's good that you brought this up, is is especially because I don't know if you guys saw that that Nick Nurse interview that he did um, at, with ESPN, that and he was saying that like he actually uh, met Phil, hung out with Phil, spent three three days with him yep. uh, out in yep. his ranch before the NBA season started last year, um, our championship season started. Uh, and he was taking over the reins as a new coach, coming in as an assistant and having a system that already was in place, but new new parts with a star superstar-level player uh, that was coming back. I mean, obviously Kawhi coming back from an injury is not the same as Michael Jordan coming back from retirement. Uh, but you know, it, it, Phil knew a thing or two and, and uh, you know, imparted some wisdom uh, on Nick, uh, as he was going into his journey as his first year as a head coach of the Raptors, dealing with a new team, uh, a new superstar player and learning how to build that relationship and trust with a guy who obviously felt like his trust had been broken, um, you know, with teams and people in the past, right. Cause you got to remember Michael Jordan, uh, didn't want Phil Jackson, you know, uh they uh That's they definitely wa- he wa- he wanted to keep Doug Collins and, and I'm sure that there were um some Raptors players probably would have wanted to keep Casey um you know and, and and some were probably happy to see him go but uh it's interesting to see some of the parallels and, and specifically I think uh when I look back to whatever Phil Jackson told Nick Nurse whatever plays or schemes or words of wisdom or strategy he gave to Nick Nurse it was interesting to see some of those wrinkles applied into how Nick nurse strategized his plays and teamwork on offense. So like a prime example is looking at um, that, that game, that game six in Utah Uh, the bulls are down, right. And they got to go, they're in a situation where it's the NBA finals, the game's been back and forth. Um, You know, guys are tired, guys are battered up, they're exhausted and they got to go dig deep to find some buckets. And They get in a situation where the clock isn't on their side and they're down, I think, three. And then MJ goes into a two for one situation and decides to attack the paint um, immediately. Right. Um, I mean, if you watch basketball, you know, the two for one situations, if you end up in a situation where the clock is at about 30 to 35 seconds and, you know, you don't have two possessions left, you go for the quick score, try to, you know, make sure that you run the other team out of twenty four seconds, and then you still get a chance to have the last shot or set up a good play. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, Phil doesn't call a timeout; he just mm-hmm. lets him keep playing. He could have right, called the right, right. timeout to stop the momentum of of the Jazz and to set something up that was a more strategic play. But he knew, obviously, it's 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 easy to to trust Michael Jordan when you've won. Five championships with a guy. But still, that being said, it's not the strategy that every single coach would go for. We've seen, you know, guys like Brett Brown struggle with it. We've seen uh, Bud in Milwaukee struggle with it. So it's not like every single coach that's on the NBA level implores these decisions, uh you know, in those type of situations, let alone the NBA finals. So to mm-hmm. see, you know, Phil not take that timeout, trust Jordan, let him take that ball, get a quick shot, come back and do the exact same thing, it's a lot like the plays that. Uh, Nick Nurse ran for Kyle Lowry, particularly when Uh, guys were coming out of timeouts um, and Kyle would literally call for a screen super early near the half court line so he could attack this big center that was coming into the play or if they were you know strategizing on two for one situations in close games against Milwaukee or Philly to try to get the most possible possessions out of a clock that isn't on your side when you're down Mm -hmm. a game and I think you know the chicago bulls as crazy as this might sound were probably at their best when their backs were up against the wall Granted their backs were never really up against the wall that often But when it was like you said when you're being down 2-0 in a conference final series against the knicks Uh, they ended up performing really well And their game three victory, uh, you know was kind of reminiscent of uh of, of Toronto's win or rather the raptors one was more reminiscent of the bills because uh, you know the raptors right. came after obviously yeah. so
0: with this comparison of of I guess like if the if the Raptors could possibly win this year's championship, and I think that we all were kind of we are kind of in the boat where we think that the Raptors have a chance. Now, do you think the Bulls could have won that seventh championship if they all came back? Let's say they all came back with one year contracts at the end of that sixth championship run, and they're like Jordan, let's come back for one year. Pippin, uh, Rodman, everybody, Phil, come back for one year. Do you think they could have won that seventh championship?
2: Uh, You know, I knew that this question was coming and I still didn't prepare for it. So my initial (laughs) thought, because I wanted to look at like, okay, what was, what did the rest of the NBA look? Because like, it's, it's hard to just say off the top of my head, yes, they would have or no, they wouldn't have. Because uh, what did the rest of the NBA look like? Because this is very much dependent on, you know, how other teams were structured, right? And uh, a part of me wants to say that uh no they wouldn't have because they would have come i believe the next year was was already the, the beginning of the spurs was it not i mean correct me if i'm wrong there
1: yeah it was at the, yeah. sure the
2: time yeah so if, if we're talking about you know jordan running into uh you know the rookie tim duncan overtaking david robinson's team uh that's that's a hard that's a hard call to make so i, I don't mm-hmm. know if they do and um, you know, there's, there's something that, that Jordan had mentioned at the end of the documentary about the seven championship is that um, Pippin would have needed some convincing. And I think that uh, it's very hard for me to envision a scenario where, where um, you know, Pippen gets what he thinks is something he deserves because he was grossly grossly underpaid. And that's not <laughs> yeah. his fault. You know, that, that's that's a a large portion of that is what his agent agreed to. And yes, he did okay it at the very end, but it's like, uh, he really deserved a whole lot more. So I don't know if he would have um, how much of a pay cut he would have accepted if any to you know rejoin that team because we already know right. the ego that michael jordan has he probably wouldn't have taken any pay cut so it's like all right i'm gonna come back for one year but you guys all kind of accept the money that you've already been paid you know mm-hmm. like it's it's like that what we're going to see from from the golden state warriors in a couple of years like there's there's no way they're gonna afford you know the the big four that that's why they started yeah. breaking up so um i for one think that a it probably wouldn't have worked out salary wise I don't think they would have all came back but even if they did uh, I'm not 100% sure I would probably say no they would not Win a 7th
0: championship mm. I, I kind of Preface to say the same thing to be honest But me trying to say that um, there's all the storylines when it comes to saying this is the last year, this is the last year. That's the whole point of the Last Dance, right? And so I would, I can't say that they they won't, um, but you're right. The last, the next year they were facing the San Antonio, the San Antonio Spurs won that year against the New York Knicks, and I feel like it would it probably been a, would have been harder, I guess, with I think winning four championships is gonna be harder than winning three championships, and uh, outside of like the Boston Celtics who won like eight in a row. There's never been any other team uh, besides the Lakers, uh, the Bulls, and the Warriors to go on, on a threepeat. So actually, the Warriors have never been on a three-peat. But yeah, like I don't, I honestly I don't think the Bulls could have won that fourth. Uh, uh, any other I, Chicago I, Bulls fan uh, will probably say you're crazy, and you know yeah. I, I probably think you're right. Uh, but to me, I'd say they probably didn't <laughs> want either.
2: Yeah, before before Derek gives his answer, I'm just gonna add one more comparison that comes to mind, and that is, uh, I, I would like in. The, the Bulls ending after that 98 season as kind of like Floyd Mayweather's boxing career. I think that he kind of knew there's going to be a time where I'm, uh, he, he probably would never admit this out loud, but it's like there's going to be a time when uh, I'm not going to be perfect. Like he he retired at just the right time, like just at a time when he probably would have, he could have lost his next match. We don't know, but if you have the opportunity to uh, end it off on a perfect ending and a perfect record, as it were, for Mayweather, um, then I think the Bulls found that, right? They had enough excuses lined up, you know, whether it's salary, whether it's um, the words of Jerry Krause and all that to kind of end it where it was. When, you know, if they did actually come back, it it might, the, the, the scenario might not have been ideal for them to pull out another championship. So, yeah, I think I, I, I'm going to, you know, lean more heavily towards them not winning.
1: All right. So for, for, for me, uh, there's a lot to unpack here and you're going to like people. Some people are going to not be too pleased with my answer because uh, it's it's yes and no. Um, and I'll give you okay. the scenarios in, w- in, w- in which I mean, like I like bear with me, I'm going to break it down. And hopefully if I break it down the right way, you guys will understand what I mean when I say yes and no. So first, I'm going to say the reason why I don't think they would have won. A fourth straight title if they had continued to play, um, in you know after the '97-'98 season. So I think the three things that I I I really have to look at here are um, time, money, and roster. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, at that time. Um, and I'm not a basketball historian, so I could be a little bit off with my numbers. And I apologize if I am for anybody who's like super into number crunching, my bad. Um, but in 97, 98 season, my, like Michael Jordan was basically signing one year contracts at at that point. Um, he had an eight year deal prior to that and then he played through it and then, uh you know basically held the bulls hostage um, for a large contract because he wanted to get paid what he felt he was owed which I mean by all intensive purposes like Michael Jordan is arguably one of the greatest players if not the greatest player to ever play the game he changed the NBA he changed the culture of sport um uh, you know and so he deserves every penny so Michael Jordan's getting paid about 30 million maybe more than 30 million like 33 million that 97 98 season do you know how much the NBA salary cap was at that time?
0: I want to say it was like 80-something.
1: Nope. The NBA salary cap was roughly $27 million. What? What? Yes. 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 <laughs> so by, by 2020 standards, that's like $45 million, roughly. Maybe, yeah. give or take a few million. But the NBA salary cap was around 27 to 30 million dollars which sounds Damn. insane because michael jordan was getting paid 30 million for that yeah, one year so you're literally like how is that possible that the bulls could pay michael jordan more than 30 million a year and also still play like pay like another 10 11 guys on that roster and so this is what i mean by timing so michael jordan cashed in at the right time because The reason why the NBA went into that lockout that next year was exactly because of what Michael Jordan did. It's because there was no true salary cap. So teams were allowed to sign a player as long as the league gave permission and it was warranted. So in Michael Jordan's case, it was a very unique case. But like him and I think maybe only Patrick Ewing were the only two guys at the time, I think, and I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. Patrick Ewing and Michael Jordan were the only two guys that had contracts that were way above the team's salary cap, uh, like in total. So that's how the Bulls were able to keep Michael and continue to have their roster for super, super cheap, right? And so the next season they go into the lockout because David Stern's like, hold on, this can't happen, like, we can't have a team just, you know, paying whatever the hell they want to one guy and then not paying really the other guys, right? It's not fair. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. when they started to implement the salary cap and the luxury tax and the framework for what we see today as the CBA started then, right? So Interesting. In so at that time, it made sense that Jordan could do that. But if they were to try to come back again for to win a seventh title, with the new CBA, there is no way they would have been able to afford everybody, which is what Jerry Krause, to his credit, was actually foreseeing. And like, as much as he was painted as a villain, I do think he was actually really good at team building and was smart and could see some things ahead of the curve. And so he was spot on when he said, like, as and, and what Reinsdorf said at the end when it was like, look, we knew that there was no way we could afford the market value for guys like Steve Kerr and Scotty and Ron Harper because the new CBA simply would not have allowed them to do that all while still paying Michael Jordan $30 million mm-hmm. plus per a season. It just financially would not have been yeah. possible. So there's yeah. no way that they could have kept that roster, right? So right. that's one thing. The other thing is, and you mentioned this earlier, Jay, Scotty Pippen. It's easy for Michael Jordan to say, yeah, yeah, you know what, guys? Uh, if if I say I'm coming back, yeah, I, and Phil says he's coming back, then we'll all come back and we'll we'll compete for a seven title. It's easy for Michael Jordan to say that when he's getting paid thirty plus <laughs> million dollars a year from the, from the Bulls, yeah, and then making another thirty from Nike, and then maybe like another five from Gatorade, and like another five from Haynes. Like he's got money coming out the ass. Like he's got a ton of money. He's fine. <laughs> he doesn't need to worry about an NBA contract. Because he's already getting paid and he's been paid, right? Whereas a guy like Scotty, who's coming off a, a million or two million dollar contract where he is insanely underpaid uh, and overworked and, and and you know mistreated by management during that whole situation. and obviously he handled things poorly as well. But like it, you mean to tell me Michael Jordan's gonna go to Scotty man to man face to face and say, "Hey man, can you just sign like a, like a one year deal for me? worth like one or two million just so that we could compete for another title. Like, and Scotty being like, are you dumb? Like, why mm-hmm. would I do that? Right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. cause the thing is, let's be real. It, even if they won that extra title, that extra title wouldn't have done anything for Scotty Pippen's legacy. Like he had already yeah, won yeah. multiple championships. Right? So what's a fourth ring? No disrespect. Obviously like a championship is a championship and tons of players would die to have one, but that ring wouldn't have made him any richer. That ring wouldn't have got him a better contract. That ring would have made him get a worse contract in a short-term deal. And then what if he gets hurt because he had the back problems in that Utah series, right? So it's like if I'm Scottie Pippen, I am not banking my future on Michael Jordan telling me, yeah, yeah, come back for one year and take a cheap deal, right? And then you're asking everyone else who could be getting paid like – three million to five million dollars a year for the next four or five years to each get paid like a million dollars. Like maybe like the third string and the bench guy might take a million dollar deal because he's just happy to be on the team. But like none of those guys would probably take that deal, right? So yep. I just don't Bill think
0: Bill Wellington would have done five hundred thousand. So I, Bill Wellington
1: good. would have done two hundred fifty thousand and golf <laughs> tournaments <with> Michael <laughs> Jordan. Yeah. So yeah. you know like because of all of those reasons, I don't think that uh they they would have been able to keep that team together it just financially seems impossible or almost yep. impossible um that being said the reason why i think they could have actually won it right is in a dream scenario because obviously this is michael jordan dreaming uh you know of a hypothetical and let's just say everyone does come back right let's just say Phil's feels like cool i'm on board we'll, we'll go one more year and scotty's like yeah I'll, I'll take the year whatever we'll make it work um the, I do think they would have won because if you look at the competition, one, it's a lockout season, right? So not only uh, do they have extra time to kind of rest their bodies and to heal up from all the battles that they've had going in their most recent 3 p they actually can chill, get healthy, take their time, get rest, build up their stamina, build up their mental strength and fortitude. That by the time the season rolls around, you're going to get – you won't even have gotten a peak MJ until probably the finals, which is crazy because that would have been, uh, I guess, you know, under a normal season like game 82, right? So uh, yeah, exactly. if you're looking at a 55-game season and then you're adding another 15 games through the playoffs, on top of that, you basically have a full season of the Bulls at, at their prime peaking on all cylinders before the playoffs would hit in a normal year. So you have that and then you look at the competition Really, it was the New York Knicks that had this improbable run because I think they were like the eighth seed in the East, and they ended up yeah. getting to the finals, uh, which is insane. And they didn't have Patrick Ewing. So Patrick Ewing was hurt, and they, and they didn't play with him really. And so if you have that Chicago Bulls team going up against that Knicks team without a Patrick Ewing, the Bulls are winning 100%. Oh. And then you got the Spurs, uh, you know, the baby Spurs, really, with David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Uh, and they had I think they had like Sean Elliott and Mario Ellie and a couple other, you know, really good role players. And they had pop, but pop wasn't the pop that we know today. This he wasn't is Pop yet, still yeah. yeah, he wasn't Pop yet. He was still learning. And so I do think that the Bulls could have actually beaten that Spurs team probably in five or six games. And I know that might seem a little bit crazy to say five or six games but i think back to what the bulls did to penny and shack like a young prime shack and a young prime penny and they swept them they swept them the year after jordan finally had a full year of basketball under him mm-hmm. so if they're able to do that to young shack and and crazy enough and i look back at if you if you go back to the footage of uh that that bulls team and how they played Shaq it's almost identical to how the Raptors play Giannis. They double teamed him every single time he got in the post. They built a wall with their triangle and they did not let him get through. And with Scotty and Michael on the wings, picking everything apart, they made Penny turn the ball over like every time. And like it's it. Those tactics are exactly what Nick Nurse employed against guys like Giannis, against guys uh, like Ben Simmons. Uh, because they knew that they were threats, uh, you know, if they were if they were to get out in the open or to just have them isolate on their own against one guy, and um, and yeah, so I th- I truly do think that the Bulls, if everything worked out financially and they were able to figure it out with the cap and all the guys were on board and all their feelings weren't hurt and everybody was good with it, they could have won that that lockout year. The next year, I don't know. I don't think they beat that Lakers team, but I do think that they at least get one more if ever, if this financial dreamland that we ex- think could exist existed. yeah you no know,
2: everything it. yeah everything they upon, like great great analysis um you know no hate over here uh and, and you're absolutely right your very first point about the salaries of 97 98 so uh michael jordan was making 33 million number two was patrick ewing at 20 million and then you drop down to horace grant at 14 million he was the third highest paid uh, So, yeah, those are your top three salaries, and you see the <laughs> capital, crazy. right? Just from number one to number three, that's already a $20 million gap. And then, you know, to add some additional context to Scottie Pippen, his first 11 seasons, so that's all the way his entire Bulls uh, tenure, his first 11 seasons, he earned a total of $21 million so that is not even that doesn't even scratch the surface of how that's much Jordan made mm-hmm. in just that last season alone right so uh, i totally agree with you i don't think that it would have happened because you know pippen just wouldn't have taken another discount but yeah that was uh <laughs> tell, know, I tell think that pippen
0: that's... to take a tell pippen to take a, a one year after signing eight years what or no seven years an 18 million dollar contract dear lord Good luck to him. Yeah. I
2: think you know, you know what that 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 adds another light to is that like you know we we hear uh, Pippin's analysis on and we always like I don't know I don't know about you guys but like I'm always dogged on Pippin the way he analyzes these players and always seems to favor you know his Bulls and how oh we would beat everyone with with the greatest team of all time whatever I just think he's bitter that he never got paid like he's probably seeing all these yeah. players getting paid like you know thirty times the amount that he was getting paid and he's just bitter that he's he just grew up in the wrong yeah. era but yeah, uh, i think that you know the the analysis on you know whether or not they would have won the seventh championship is how the last dance documentary series ended and i think that's a great way for us to wrap up here um you know again well derek thank you so much for for jumping on I, you know we were looking forward to this you know we we tried to get this to work out after the first uh, episode and then we tell you know what let's just do a full you know last dance you know recap um and it was totally worth the wait um just like the documentary itself was uh but yeah anything you you know kind of want to plug before before we let you go here
1: um no man i just want to say thank you guys i really appreciate it i know obviously right now uh you know things are kind of crazy in the world with this pandemic and uh you know i just want to say thank you for making the time thank you for putting this together thank you for having me um i always appreciate it it's a great opportunity to talk basketball and take our minds off of something that's you know very serious and uh you know i just hope that everybody stays safe and uh stays healthy uh, as we progress through this thing um and also all i'm gonna say right now and i might be wrong but i hope i'm not is pascal is basically scotty pippen 2.0 for the raptors I was putting that out there and he could oh, be man. pippen to Giannis's jordan in a year <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> that, you gotta manifest that is that is a mic drop if I've ever heard one, and yeah. uh, you know I I I couldn't have said it any better. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, we definitely need to have you back on. Um, you know, as for as for myself, um, you know I just you know I kind of said it at the beginning of of the pod how um you know today you know we're recording this on on may the 20th and it is actually fred van vliet jr's birthday uh the 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 chosen son as i'd like to call him or uh (laughs) if you check out raptors hq i just wrote an article celebrating his birthday because uh you know he's kind of a big reason why fred van vliet turned things around and and norm powell has turned things around so i urge you guys to check that out um you know raptors hq you gotta and you know raptors (laughs) hq is where you're finding this pod you'll find more of my writing there um, and then you can find me on on twitter at, at Rosalesaurus but that that's me Jason um
0: yes sir hope we find you brother yeah I want to say saying again for derek thank you so much for for joining us brother we all, we'd always love you coming on our podcast and you know getting everything that it comes to sports basketball and of course the news because damn breaking news everywhere but but yeah brother you can find uh us that's wrap podcast on Twitter at that's rep pod and on instagram at that's wrap podcast and you can find our podcast uh, on your podcast Catchers at Raptors HQ. So find us there. And until next time, boys and girls, that's a wrap.